1: Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Thank
0: you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Welcome to Leaf Guy, Episode 21. Jim Taddy with you. Coming up in the broadcast, Bill Waters, former Leafs Assistant General Manager, and Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. Before we get going... Basketball has officially entered the second half of the season. This is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code THPN to sign up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see how your team stacks up against the competition Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. And remember this, trade deadline is Thursday, so look at the teams loading up. That's where you want to go. But DraftKings Payday comes every day for the players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Here's the call to action. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's the code THPN, and you get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, now to the hockey story. least with two sample sizes last week, and one of them is a Friday night game against Calgary where they did not start well by 7.33 in the first period. The Flames had a 2-0 lead. The Leafs tried to climb back into this. They did, but they lost 4-3. That actually tied the game in the second period, and uh, later, uh, about nine minutes later, Calgary took the 4-3 lead and sat on it, and so the Leafs struggled in that particular game. But the very next night, Saturday night, it was Jack Campbell and Golan, not Freddie Anderson, and Jack Campbell shut out the Calgary Flames. The Leafs getting on the board at 18:31 of the first. Spetzl with a nice goal, and then Hyman with a highlight reel goal and a nice wraparound at 16:28 of the second. That's all the Leafs needed. Campbell made 31 saves for his second shutout of the season. He's only started four games. He's only allowed four goals, and there he is with a shutout. And the last time he played was what, February 27th in Edmonton, and that was a shutout. So consecutive shutouts. This could be a breaking story for the Leafs. We will see. But it is interesting to note the contrast. And so you go back to the template that works for the Leafs. Start well. Play your system. Get the lead on the scoreboard, and that fortifies where you are. The other way when you play catch up, especially in the Friday game, you're down two nothing, and that's the second consecutive game the Leafs had that problem. You have to sort of abandon your system and search for the goal, and it can work out. But that uphill climb seems to take the starch out of the Leafs and and so it didn't really work for them in that game as close as they got in a four-three loss. But the Saturday version reminded all of us of what happened three weeks ago in Edmonton on those three consecutive games where they were able to get this. Done, but you have to point out, you know, in those four games that we're talking about the three in Edmonton, the Saturday against Calgary, they allowed just one goal. That's a slim margin. You can't count on that happening all the time. So let's get some further analysis now and bring in Bill Waters, former Leafs assistant general manager. So a split with Calgary built.
2: uh, Certainly, the Saturday game was a step in the right direction and more like the Leafs that. We saw in Edmonton, what's your take on what they've done this week? The loss to Calgary 4-3 and the 2 nothing win.
3: Yeah, well, I was impressed with their 2 nothing win. I, I, I didn't think they'd come back and play that type of game because that's the game, uh, that's the footprint for the kind of game they're going to have to play in the playoffs. And uh, Daryl Sutter's teams are prototypically playoff-type teams. So it was a double hit coming off a loss, and uh, I was impressed with their win in the way they won it. It, it was uh, a convincing game from the standpoint of control, and perhaps it'll lead to something better, although I still think their refusal to get, engage in any kind of physicality is going to be the end of them, because they they, they have to. They have to show some of that. They don't have to be the instigator or the leader in that department. But whenever they're challenged, they take a penalty. So they got to be ready to play the game, man o and use the tools that you can uh, legally. And if they don't do that, they'll be in the penalty box, and uh, the power plays uh, will be at their best. And when they come to the end of the day, the power plays in that division are pretty good.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, the, the game Saturday they started on time. They didn't get behind. They were able to control. And you know, some people might say that's a silly premise, but you could win a playoff series by starting on time and getting the first goal and playing your system and forcing the other team to chase. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna underscore that at all. I think it's it's very important for them and, and anybody in the NHL. And I just thought that they looked like they had really good chemistry. The five man units. So when the when the next five man unit came on, it was a, like a rollover. Uh, from the the unit before, and and that's what we saw in Edmonton, so there's a lot of good signs there, I would agree with you, and I don't know where it goes, but at least they've rediscovered themselves, haven't they?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a prototypically uh, lucid example of what they can do when they apply themselves with logic and uh, take over the game, and each of them in Edmonton uh, were with an early goal by the Leafs, And, and that was the first control sign, and they went from there. So, yeah, maybe they've learned something. I think they've got lots of room for learning as we all have, but they're a younger team, and you, you give them a little room uh, now that they've filled in some polls with veterans, but uh, I don't know how they could go from the team that dominated uh, the team now tied for uh, first or close to it in the division, uh, and then end up losing seven of eight. That's That is totally Inexplicable if you're dealing with a genuine bona fide playoff threat. I'm not talking about making the playoffs. I'm talking about winning the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I don't know how to classify what happened over the last two and a half weeks, but uh, maybe they've come out of it. Uh, We'll see. Uh, It's hard to hard to imagine where they were and how they got there. Based on, I mean, it, it was night and day. Literally, it was. Uh three straight wins in Edmonton, and then the next night in Vancouver, the struggle sets in. We originally at the time wrote it off to you know the the travel the the back to back games in different cities, but it just it lingered for so long that it did leave a mark so i I don't know where they go with that, but I guess maybe you approach that uh, in the next coming weeks at the trade deadline and try to solve it. Would a trade solve that?
3: Well, I think it would help with the proper leadership. I think that's one of their areas that they need to be to, to be strengthened. But you know what will solve it is if they go on a long winning streak now and say, Hey, we're ready to play. And perhaps, uh, they'll accept it as being part of their modus operandi. I don't know. I, I just, they're so inconsistent, um, Jim, that I I, I wouldn't put any faith in anything other than game one of the playoff series. We'll see what they're doing because they'll just, they'll flip flop along and get enough points to get in. And, uh, Uh, See what happens. But they have the capability of playing the way they played against Edmonton. That's what's staring them in the face. That's what's embarrassing them, losing seven of eight.
2: Well, you know, if you wanted to be uh, really harsh with your analysis, you could say, you're talking about three games in Edmonton and one against Calgary. And in those four games, the Leafs allowed one goal. So so it's not only Uh scoring first and, and setting the tone, it's being flawless defensively, which is – that's a pretty tall order, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and, and part of that is restraining yourself from taking retaliatory penalties, particularly in the offensive zone. I mean, there are certain things you can just cut right out of your bag of tricks, and that's the sign of a mature team, and that's the sign of mature leadership. Hey, you can't do that, Marner. You can't do that, William. You can't do that, Austin. You have to score, but you have to be mature in your reaction to how they are uh, checking you. Because God only knows, Jim, first playoff game, there's going to be a few guys on that team who get so much mobility and room out there, they don't know where to go. They're going to be confined to quarters, and it's going to be a tough push through. And they've got to learn to deal with that and not take penalties in the process. And So it's a twofold reaction. It's a reaction to the heavy checking, and it's a reaction to taking retaliatory penalties because that puts you in the box. That puts their power play on the ice, and in some cases, that'll be the end.
2: Yep, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, So I guess the other thing is that it's pretty clear since the Edmonton series, anybody who plays the Leafs is going to physically go after Austin Matthews. They had Simmons on his line on Saturday, and, and I would suggest to you that that's the way that has to stay because he's a target.
3: Oh yeah, well I agree. I mean he's uh, he has become uh, the most significant and the strongest player on their side. He may not be the most skilled player, but he's close too. I think I, I think you have to give Marner uh, an abundant skill set, but he 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 doesn't perform in playoffs. His record in the playoffs is abysmal, other than two block shots at center ice. So he's he's got to he's got to get himself ready to play near the, the level that he plays during the regular season because he is a gifted player. He's right up there with with Marner, with, with Matthews as their most skill. But I'm expecting Matthews to be a big playoff performer. But your point, Jim, is extraordinarily well made. They are going to be covered with the other team's best defensive players, and they're going to be hit by everyone that moves on the other side because that's the way to stop
2: them. Yeah, there's no question about that, and it's been effective, and it's very noticeable out on the ice. I guess the other issue for Leaf fans is, is there a goaltending controversy because Jack Campbell played really well. He's only played four games. Two of them were shutouts, but he looked pretty solid on Saturday night, and we'll get the next start as uh, – Freddie admitted he was playing hurt, so I I, I don't know what that injury is, but if you're playing, then then the injury can't get any worse, but it looks like Campbell's going to emerge here.
3: Yeah, well, you know, he was a first-round pick who's done nothing, and this has been really, I suppose, his first opportunity to get the number one job. I hope that uh, what you see is something that they can uh, build upon, and if that's the case, Freddie's going to pick up his game, and if Freddie's hurt, rest him let Campbell play if you think that much but Campbell still has to prove the test of time and this will be it coming up he'll have a he'll have a good block of games to show what he can do but in fairness to Campbell almost every game he's played in Toronto he's been solid so I don't see him dropping the ball the question is can he supplant what Anderson brought them and that's that's that'll be the debate and uh Uh, right at this point, Jack Campbell, or Supi, as they call him, uh, is in the driver's seat. He can show his stuff, but nobody can take the job from him if he shows his stuff.
2: I want to talk about Zach Hyman, just because his goal Saturday night was really smartly played, hard drive to the net, goes around and scores. And it just shows you how this guy's matured. He's in the final year of his contract. He's at 2.250. He's 28 years old. It will walk into... Uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, six, seven, maybe eight, well, eight years to be signed with the lease. I don't know if they'll go that far, but I think you're looking at six or seven years at $5 million bucks. I don't know how they fit him in, but they'd be lost without him.
3: Oh, they, they have, the longer they leave it, the higher it goes. Yeah. And I, I'm with you, Jim. I, I said to you uh, when we were talking off there, he's a $5 million guy. they got to make room for him. And he's so valuable to them in so many areas, whether it's checking, whether it's playing his position, whether it's playing in the offensive zone or the defensive zone. He's become one of their top three players. That's it. No more guessing. So you better get the pencil out and pay him. And if I were them, I'd get onto it right now and get it done. And if I were Zach Hyman, I wouldn't do it. I'll wait till the end because I've watched the scenarios uh, that they have gone through in the signing of their better players, and Zach Hyman might as well take advantage, advantage of that apparent flaw.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're at twenty-eight, this is this is his his big contract, his lifelong or uh, uh, career contract. Yes. Why would why would he compromise that?
3: Well, that's that's true. I think the only way is if they made it long enough and they made it high enough. So if they're going to sign him to a long-term deal. I would think they're going to be closer to seven than they will be to five. Yeah, That's a lot of money. But yeah. lest we forget, he is one of their best players. One of their most effective players for sure. And he plays so hard and plays the game the way you're supposed to with no shortcuts. He's a guy that they've got to get into the system. I'm sure they will.
2: And, you know, so on previous shows, you've talked about trading Nylander. And, and, you know, really, if you forget about the individuals, but just look at the dollars, Nylander has his money, doesn't he, in terms of how it all fits in?
3: Right on the nose. Right on the nose. Seven. Yeah. yeah, And uh, that's, and, and you know what? Nylander's having one of his better seasons, very streaky, but having one of his better seasons, and I still would trade him. And particularly when I'm looking at my team going down the road, I think I've got players coming that can replace him. And uh, I would be, uh, if I could get the right, I mean, William Nylander should bring a pretty good player. And uh, it it wouldn't be just a rental. It shouldn't be a rental. So it'll be interesting to see if he's even put up uh, as trade bait. But if he is, the Leafs should be able to get someone uh, of significant strength in the skill department, and some leadership skills that they are want to uh, cry for at all times.
2: Okay, so as a former assistant general manager for this team, uh, you're sitting in the chair. You can you can actually literally sign Hyman now and trade Nylander to get ahead of the curve in terms of fitting everything in, or you could do it all in the off season. How do you make that decision?
3: Well. I can't do it because somebody else did it ahead of me and didn't do it very well. But I think one of the corrections in the Leafs' approach to business is to get business done when you have a gut feel that it should be done. And there is a gut feel, not not just yours and mine. that the time to sign Hyman is now. And if you want to stay beneath uh, the salary cap, then you've got to move new it. And you can use that as an excuse if you wish. I don't know. But you're basically keeping the better of the two players, uh, the more likely of the two, to help his team win a Stanley Cup. And that should be enough. I think the deal is ready to be made if there's a pursuers of William Nylander at the right level uh, from the other teams. And if there's not, then you've got a real problem. <laughs> but you have to clear $7 million for next year. I mean... Hyman's fine under the cap space now, but that as an extension, he'll get to the rest of this season as is, but then next year he's got a goal. So you asked that question as well, Jim, would you be better off to trade him now? Or... The only reason you'd be better off to trade him now is if you can get something that you and your staff feel will make you more difficult to, to eliminate in the playoffs. And if that's the appraisal and the answer, you do it. Yeah.
2: And they've got a, like a similar decision to make with Freddie Anderson. This is this is a tough call too. I mean, he's he's expiring at five, and unless something changes, he hasn't really led them anywhere. But you could say that about anybody because the team has just struggled in the first round or not getting in, as, as was the case in the summer. That's a difficult call to resign him too, isn't it?
3: Yes, it is, and that's why they picked up that finish, goalie. That's why they've got Soupy Campbell. They think they're going to be better than Freddie, and they better be right.
2: It's interesting to to have to make all those decisions and and try to get in a Stanley Cup run at the same time. I mean, you have to sort of separate them, don't you?
3: Yes, you do. The goalie one, you, you have to make a decision there. I mean, you can't get another Freddie Anderson. You've got to get him healthy and hope that Soupy can play like you think he can. Yeah. But you're going to win with Brady. You might get a, you know, get a one-game stand out of Campbell in the playoffs, and if you do, try to make it two. I, I still would feel more comfortable with a healthy Anderson and Net. On the other hand, uh, as we discussed earlier, Jack Campbell has played goal the way he was expected to play when uh, uh, he was acquired. So give him as much rope as you can.
2: Interesting times. Bill, thanks very much. Appreciate it.
0: And for the Leafs, another soft week in that they play on Thursday in Ottawa, Saturday against Edmonton at home, and Monday against Edmonton at home, and then split for the West with two games in Winnipeg and two in Calgary. And the bottom line is in the Winnipeg series, by the way, when those Edmonton games are done, that's it for Edmonton and the Leafs in the regular season. Uh, The Winnipeg games, they have six games left with Winnipeg, and those are going to be tough hockey games. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Let's bring in our second guest now, Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. All right, Terry, so it appears that if the Leafs score first and are allowed to establish their system, they're pretty well unbeatable, but how realistic is that?
1: Well, you know, partially, I suppose. I mean, they, they can get out and do good things when they get the first goal, but I also don't think, you know, whatever their record is when they go down one nothing that it's, it's a huge worry for them. They, the concern isn't there that they can't, um, you know, come back in games and rebound and all that sort of thing, but, uh, you know, it's... Any team will tell you the getting out to that lead early and establishing what you want to do is crucial. And, you know, one thing Keith talks about that kind of puts them behind the eight ball at times is, is having to play from behind. And, of course, you're doing different things when you're chasing the game. So uh, no team wants to be in that position. But I, know, I do know that in the um, as far as confidence goes with these guys, you know, score first, down first, uh, I don't think much changes for them mentally.
0: So when you look back on the one and six stretch, and I I guess the the biggest sin about the one and six stretch is it follows perfection, three straight games in a row in Edmonton. But are you able to to break those seven games down into different segments or are they all one pile for you?
1: Well, I think you can break them down. You know, there was the lull in Vancouver, uh, you know, after what happened in Edmonton, you're playing a team that brings it to you a little bit more uh, than the Oilers did. And then really that, that series against the Jets, you know, I, I, I'm of the belief that, you know, w- well, I think a lot of people are, Connor Hellebuck is the difference maker in games one and two. So without him in goal, the Leafs, I think, win game one. They do win game two in overtime, but probably in regulation, if it's not Hellebuck doing what he's doing. And then that sets them up differently, I think, for the Saturday night when they got waxed uh, I think, by three goals by the Jets. So, um, you know, it. Uh, the loss in Ottawa certainly left a bad taste as well, but, um, you know, I, I think through there they weren't getting run out of the rink, which is important to remember. And uh, then you know they come back and they give themselves a nice, uh, a nice little uh, gift with this, with this uh, hard-fought, um, what I thought was a fairly complete win against the Flames in the shutout victory with uh, with um, Jack Campbell leading the way. So I, I think it's behind them now. And like I said, I, I don't think there were, were some habits not good during that streak. Yes, they were they're giving up the puck too much. There was some sloppy play. Um, But like I say, it wasn't like they completely fell apart and, uh, and um, you know, you could see a, a trend coming where these things were going to take over the game through the rest of the season. I think what they did against Calgary was a better indicator of what they are. I think what they did against Edmonton, in those three games is a better indication of what the Leafs are now. So, um as the saying goes, Jim, all teams go through those sorts of things, even the best ones. And uh, I guess now the key for the Leafs is to ensure that that was the only time that happens and it doesn't happen again in the last two months here.
0: Yeah, for me, I, I think the top end was identified, and that's the three Edmonton wins in, in the game Saturday against Calgary. What's troublesome is, you know, just, the, I sort of put this in two categories. Um, the Ottawa loss and the Calgary loss and the Winnipeg loss. The Winnipeg loss is the Jets wearing them down. The Ottawa game, they didn't start well. The Calgary game, they didn't start well. Now, you could connect the dots there or not. That's the big question, right?
1: Well, the other dot you want to connect is the dot and net, right? right. And, yeah. uh, again, um you know, if Freddie Anderson led to believe, well, not led to believe, keep telling us uh, yesterday that lower body injury—it's a recurrence of what he had earlier in the season. So, you know, Campbell gets—assuming Campbell gets a little bit of a run here—I think he would have anyway, uh, given though he played. What else are you going to do? Um, you know, but I, I think that has to be—that has to be considered too. I mean, when you're, when you give up 18 shots to Calgary like you did on f- last Friday—the the fewest you've given up in a game this year—and you lose and you've scored three goals yourself, there's there's trouble in goal. That's all there is to it. And, you know, Anderson allowed four goals and 14 shots and stopped the last four, so it was, it was even worse than it looks on paper. But, um, you know, that's that's a factor that's got to be taken into account. He has been playing uh, to his ability, and you hope that ability remains overall. But, um, you know, we have to remember that through that skid as well. I could save percentage in seven games, which started with the win in, in Edmonton, you know, hovering around 875, that's that's not going to get you anywhere if the starting goaltenders. So take that into account. Campbell gets the net now, and I'm curious to see what he does uh, Thursday in Ottawa.
0: I don't recall, and you could help me with this, I don't recall ever hearing a leaf player, let alone a goaltender, tell you they were playing hurt. It just, it, it's got an odd feel to it, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. And, you know, it's, um, I guess the thing with Anderson too, it's just, you know, watching him in all of these games, he seemed to be moving around the net still fairly well, you know, at least by, by these eyes. Now, having said that, I mean, some of the pucks are getting by him, you know, uh, not challenging as much, this sort of thing. So you wonder how much of it is mental and confidence as well, but part and parcel that goes with, you know, the physical injury that he's been dealing with. So, you know, I suppose giving credit for trying to get through it, but when you are doing that, you know, you're putting a team at a disadvantage. I think it's one thing for a, a player to play at less than close to a hundred percent, like St. Austin Matthews does, who still with the wrist injury was able to score a few goals, uh, much different than if you have a guy in net, especially when, you know, I, you have a guy like Campbell who's coming. And again, I know Campbell is re- recovering from his own injury as well, but uh, you know, um, the Leafs managed to get through that, but you would like to think that in the future that happens, there's, they can fall back a lot quicker than they were able to with Anderson. And again, taking into account that, you know, Campbell was hurt during that time as well. Um, you know, Hudson's coming in and done some good things, didn't play well in Ottawa, we know that. But no, you don't You don't hear that very often. But, um, you know, I think, you know, credit to Fred to try to get through it himself. But we see now that he wasn't able to. And, uh, you know, the goaltending picture changes.
0: Uh, the one change for me is not necessarily the Leafs, but from the Vancouver game on, it's how everybody played the Leafs. It's like the Edmonton games were a defining moment. It's like here's who we are, and mm-hmm. then the rest of the league goes, okay, if you're going to be like that, then we're going to play you this way. Then there's a, a certainly an increased physical. Uh, a performance by the opposition against the Leafs that that I don't think we saw earlier, and part of that is it's early in the season. Nobody knows who anybody is, but they go after Matthews, they go after you know the the the, the rest of the Leaf skill players. And the Winnipeg Jets, I thought, did a really nice job along the boards, body position, not not big hits, but but they used their body to wear the Leafs down and get their way with them.
1: Yeah, they did. They were tough, and but you know, having said that, you know, I don't think you you, you look at the three games in Edmonton anybody can and say okay that's that's the Leafs' uh uh, perfection because it's still only midway through the season they're still trying to improve in a lot of areas and you know I think that it's only one player and I understand what the Jets were able to do um but getting Wayne Simmons back does change the complexity of it and it changes the attitude of it and it changes the the approach and and I, I really believe in that you know it's not often, uh, you, you know, you hear about next man up and this sort of thing. And, you, you know, you hear that really when they lose players on labor's waivers, waivers, sort of done with V.C. and Boyd to Vancouver. But when Sheldon Keefe says what he did uh, last week, Jim, about uh, before, right before Simmons came back and says, you know, with him out, there's just been a different feel around the team. And it's not like, you know, Simmons have been out for a few games. He'd been out since February 6th at that point. So you're talking about well over a month. You're approaching six weeks. Different feel around the team. There's just a different energy. And, uh, you know, you don't want to put all of that on one player's shoulders, but that's a fact and that, that it, there was a difference. And I think in him and in in back now in the last two games, you see that, uh, you see that kind of come back to them now, a, a bit of a different attitude and that sort of thing. So, you know, you, do you want to boil it down to one player and say you're two different teams, not necessarily, but I, I still think that that kind of thing can come for them. And, uh, you know, I think we also have to take into account what Kyle Dubas may or may not be able to do to enhance that sort of thing here before April 12th. So yep. um, again, it's a work in progress and everything. And like I say, I think it's, we can't fall into the idea of saying, okay, well against Edmondson, this is the Leafs at their best. And so we're going to see because it's always evolving. And, uh, you know, when you have a player like Wayne Simmons healthy in the lineup, that evolution goes to another step, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on all that. I, I just want to point out that, you know, it's, it's on Wayne Simmons for that physical presence, and it's on Zach Hyman to do those, those little things and, and drive to the net and, and just be physically responsible, but if you were stacked up against the Winnipeg Jets, the Jets have way more than two guys doing that. That, that would be a concern for me.
1: Oh, well, they do. I, yeah, and I, I don't uh, disagree with you there, but I, I think that there are other ways to beat Winnipeg, and it's not a great defense core there. They have a hell of a goalie, and they've got a great forward group. Um, but I think you can make it work to get past that, def- that defense core. And, and uh, you know, um, the Jets give up a lot, Jim. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, I, I, for all the good things that they do, if you can find a way through it, like I said, those two those first two games, I think the Leafs did. I mean, they were able to get through that. That last game was not pretty at all. Um, but really, I don't think the first few games there was an issue with the way that the Jets are playing them physically. I think they were able to get to do what they wanted to do and they just happened to face a goalie who stood in his head twice in 48 hours. I don't think it's, I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't, I think yeah. from a team perspective, Leafs wise, I don't think they're, they're viewing it as a, as a major concern.
0: And, and so, I mean, going forward, based on what we've talked about here, it's almost mandatory that Simmons would play with Matthews
1: and Marner, isn't it? Well, I suppose, but again, the asterisk is, let's see what Dubas can do because yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I still think that, And then then if not, no, I don't think so. I I think if not, if he can, I think you put Zach Hyman back there. I really do. I just, you know, I don't necessarily think that Simmons is a thing where you need that for that line to go and and kind of protect them and that sort of thing. I I just like Hyman in that spot. Uh, I always have. I think uh, Sheldon Keith does as well. But, you know, one of the bonuses with Hyman is the versatility. You can put him anywhere and say, okay, well, let's put him back, keep him back on the third line, whatever you want to call it. And see how Simmons works. You have that luxury of of, of doing that because Hyman can play anywhere. And then you know that if push comes to shove, you can put him right back there again. Having said that, Simmons looked good enough with those two, through two games. Small sample size understood. But, uh, you know, again, the Leafs are finding out if that's a good option for them, just like they are with Galchenyuk on the line with Tavares and Nylander. And if they are, great. If not, you know, you can move people around. I think there's the depth for that, even with the players they've lost. And, again, I think Dubis is going to add somebody sometime in the next couple of weeks, and that somebody is going to have an impact on what uh, the top six looks like.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, we keep talking about Hyman, um, Hyman, and Freddie Anderson expiring contracts. A bit of an albatross that way. I don't know exactly how they should proceed. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I, if you had the choice of one or the other, you, you find the money to save, or sorry, to sign Hyman, yeah, and you let. Fred go and find a job somewhere else and then figure out the goaltending from there. Yeah I, really do I, yeah. I just think that Hyman, uh, I mean, the guy's captain material, Jim, he has been for a while. He just, he just, the way he plays, the way he speaks. Uh, now he's added the the wrinkle. And I, I hate to call it a wrinkle because it's a hell of a lot more than that, but just the way he's scoring goals right now. Suddenly, I mean, not suddenly, because I know he did, he put some goals up in college, but these soft hands are coming to the fore it's another, you know. Unfortunately, in a way, it's 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 going to drive his price up in the open market. Um, uh, come July, uh, the end of July, whatever free is uh, this year, and you know whether the Leafs can afford him, we'll, we'll have to see. But I think if you had the choice of one, he'd be the guy over Anderson. I don't think there's any doubt about that.
0: Yeah, with you on that. Uh, the Freddie Anderson story is uh, is a difficult one, but there's still another chapter to be written. So you don't want to get hasty there. That's one you could sit on, right?
1: Oh yeah, I don't think. No, you don't want to get hasty. I. I I don't think you trade Freddie Anderson before April 12th, unless you know you're getting a gem back in net. I mean, I would assume that if they get somebody, I know there's a, a rumors out there about Jonathan Quick, I don't buy it. I don't see how he would help any more than Freddie Anderson would. But if there's a goaltender to be had, you know, I, w- I would think that Freddie is going the other way. Having said all that, I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't think it's a priority for for Kyle Dubas. He told us in his availability a week ago that, uh, you know, the word he used was for the goaltending defense, stable. and. uh forward would, would draw his most interest. So I take his word for it. Of course, if something great comes along that he can't refuse, then then do it. But, um, you know, I, I'll be, uh, I would think that we, when we at the end of the day on April 12th, that you know, the goaltending remains what it is unless there are major injuries, but uh, you know, hopefully the Leafs get through that without that sort of thing happening.
0: Okay. Just ahead of a lightning round of yes guy, no guy, let me ask you this. Um, in terms of what the Leafs will do by the deadline, you think it's it's uh, you know I think we're always looking at that winger coming in. Do you think the trade could actually be bigger than that or not?
1: Well, sure it could, because I think that you know as stable as your quote unquote defense core is, an injury or two there also puts you on the on the. Uh, now you're going into that depth of people who, you know, haven't really had that crack this year. in Sandine, Rose, Rosen, Marinchen, you know, can you rely on them if you have to? I suppose, but I think you know. Kyle Dubas probably, as much as he was saying last week, it's stable. You can never have too many good, solid depth defensemen. You know, you just can't. So if there's a if there's a trade to be made that way as well, then do it. But like I say, if uh, you know, who knows? I mean, if you're if you're sending contract, I would say the a goes and, and a deal for a, uh, a a better forward, maybe you know a defenseman is added to that. It's it's hard to say right now. Um, maybe it happens in a different trade, but. You know, like I say, I, I think that prior 40s forward's the priority. And then if you have to, you know, fall back on those depth guys, they're not unproven, but they haven't played much this year either. So it's a bit of a chance, but uh, apparently it's one that Dumas right now might be willing to take.
0: Yeah. they may be forced to be creative to make the dollars work, right?
1: Well, they're going to, I think that that's a given. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, that's how it, how it happens. Uh, it's difficult to say right now, but. Listen, we've seen it in the past. Brandon Pridham is great at this sort of thing. The Leafs resident cathologist. I mean, they found ways to make things work. And, um, you know, we'll see if they can do it again here in the next few weeks. And having said all this, Jim, I'm not one of these people that said that thinks they have to go out and do something. They absolutely have to do it. I think they're in a good spot roster-wise right now if, if they don't make a trade. Now, do you always want to enhance and improve? Of course you do. Sure. Yeah. But if, if they don't, I don't think there should be this uh, – this grand concern that uh, you know not enough was done to make the Leafs better going into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a careful uh, line you have to straddle there because uh, you know you don't know what's going to happen if they're healthy. If they have this roster now and it stays healthy, yeah. that's a different scenario. I think what we're what they're trying to do now is is fortify in case of and add yes. to what they have, which is you know you're sort of uh, having a wish list there, but you don't know exactly how it's going to play out.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I think it it, uh, it becomes a little more uh, pressing now when you have lost depth players in VC and Boyd because, you know, as much as they were bottom six guys and VC didn't work out in the shot that he got in the top six, they were still good depth people for you. Um, you know, Boyd especially, even though he'd come out of the lineup with the Simmons return. So instead of, uh, you know, guys who have been around the NHL a bit, your next people up are, uh, you know, Alex Barabanov and Nick Patan and, you know, I suppose when you're with them you're looking down to the Martys, you got Kenny Agostino who's been around the block a bit, Adam Brooks and and um, you know, the one unknown right now, if you will, is Nick Robertson because he played two right. minutes and then he got you know, he got hurt, went down to Marley's, had a nearly a pointy game place and is hurting in there with the abdominal injury and in his day to day. But he's coming up, I think it's you know, just over three weeks now he hasn't played or just right around three weeks. So not an option for you right now, but you know, just losing those players gets you a bit more money under the cap, sure, but now you're a little uh, more thin there uh, than you'd like to be with your forward depth. So maybe that's something else. Ch- Ch- or Kyle Dubas takes into consideration that he wouldn't have a week ago. Uh, that now you had to, to add to the forward depth as well as looking at a guy in the top six. So okay, lots balls on the table. Lots of balls on the table.
0: Make sure your tray is in the upright position and your seatbelt fastened. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, time now for the lightning round of Yes Guy, No Guy. Yes Guy, No Guy, number one. The Leafs are embroiled in a goaltending controversy.
1: No guy. Oh, okay. That's just dramatic. They're not. not. Campbell's your guy. Go with them. It's a controversy. They're both playing well. One is not one is. Go with the guy who is. Well, if they're both playing
0: well, you'd love to have the controversy. Well, you wouldn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, you would. That'd be a good controversy. But what's a good yeah. controversy? I don't know. Are they bad, good, whatever? Well, there's because there's you no can see the,
0: you can see the coach that like, who are you playing tonight. And if I'm the coach, it doesn't
1: matter. They're both playing well. Well, what's your point? <laughs> there's no controversy. Listen, one guy's hurt, so no controversy.
0: Okay, yes guy, no guy number two. The Leafs must sign Zach Hyman prior to the trade deadline.
1: No guy because they're not even talking. So that's not happening. I don't. Okay. Think, I don't think his side wants to get into it right now. Well, you can see why. Well, you, you'd want, of course, at a perfect world, you'd love that if you're the Leafs, but not happening.
0: Well, I mean, the Leafs could win the Cup. He could win the Conn Smythe Trophy. That's worth. That's worth the money. Sure it is. So yeah, yeah. no,
1: I just, uh, yeah. Well, that's a that's a split. Yes guy, no guy. Yes guy from the Leafs and no guy from his end.
0: Okay. And the final one, yes guy, no guy. What the Leafs really need will cost too much at the deadline.
1: No guy. I think they can make it work. Okay.
0: That note, Terry, thank you very much. Really appreciate your sparring. Sorry about the pod there. That's
1: okay. It's okay. I know the rapid action, but yeah, no. No guy. Last minute of play in this podcast.
0: And there is the time warning from PA announcer Mike Ross. Thanks, Rossi. So let's get right to this. The Yes Guy, No Guy Awards. Number one, Zach Hyman. What a goal on Saturday night. Oh, big decision by the Leafs. When do they re-sign him? Because they have to re-sign him. So based on his performance, an emphatic yes guy to Zach Hyman. Next stop will be Wayne Simmons. Oh, he is needed on the left side of Matthews and Marner. A solid yes guy in his return. Boy, was he missed. The third award goes to Galchenyuk. He gets another yes guy. Looks like he's carving a role for himself on the left side of Tavares and Nylander. We'll see if he sticks there or not. But the bottom line is a viable NHL player, fits on the leap roster, and that's why Boyd was exposed on waivers and claimed by the Canucks. Now, number four, no guy. Goaltending controversy. No guy. Don't want any part of it. Don't want to be near this thing. Jack Campbell played solid, and it'd be nice to have Freddie back, and he will return at some point, but you want two healthy goaltenders. No controversy, no guy. Hope you enjoyed Episode 21, and hope you come back for Episode 22 of Leaf Sky on Friday.